My Mac Podcast number 209, sponsored by Other World Computing. Check them out at MacSales.com. The next generation of radio, it's the MyMac.com Podcast. It's the 209th weekly episode of the MyMac.com podcast, and I've got the regular cast of characters, David Cohen, all the way from the UK. Hello, David. Good evening, everyone. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's a bit cold and wet here, but... Cold and wet. Well, that's kind of par for the course in uh, the UK at this time of the year, isn't it? It should should clear up around about April. Yeah? Yeah. Around April. (laughs) So we also have Guy Searle. Hello, Guy Searle. What's going on, Tim? Hey, Dave. Hey. So you noticed, uh, guy, that I used your picture that you sent me last week yeah, for yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, I did. Thank you, thank you so very you much should, for that. You should know better by I now know, not should. to send me. I should, and I will don't probably send me make the exact same mistakes once again. Yeah, I'm stupid. We also have a we also have a special guest this week, David Bienni. He's from Mac Life Magazine. Hello, David. Hello, Tim. Hello, David. Hello, guy with the white. Hello, David. Yes, right. We brought uh, <laughs> we brought Mr. Biedney in this week to talk about product reviews because did you hear my rant on the last week's podcast Indeed. or did you just see it up at MacWorld? No, no, no. I actually uh, I was listening to the show and I heard it and I'm like, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I believe well, let's, that. Let's this is talk true. about product reviews because I think this is really important. I, and I actually talked about it with a uh, a marketer today on the telephone. He wanted to know why so many Mac users are kind of uh, hard-assed about reviews. They seem to take it a lot more seriously than he thinks that most product reviewers would. What do you think? What do you think the state of product reviews is in the Mac Press today? And where should it be, you think? Well, I mean, the real question is, what's the state of uh, sort of objective editorial coverage of products in the technology industry? And I'd say that that state is dismal at this point. It's really yeah. bad. And and I'm talking as someone who has been reviewing Mac products for... Ooh, since 1984. So, Ouch. Yeah, yeah. And and having written for pretty much all the major Mac magazines and not-so-major ones and, and a variety of technology magazines. And really, um, at this point, what when we talk about reviews, right, we have to differentiate between reviews that appear online in places like Ars Technica, which, quite frankly, I think is one of the best places to read detailed reviews of technical products um, versus hey, hey. the magazine world. Well, mag- yeah. the magazine world is in a just sort of, I think, a terrible state at this point. Magazine readership is at an all-time low. I mean, reading is something that is becoming uh, problematic for uh, certainly the American audience. I mean, it's now you say that, but then you look at the the number of people that are visiting and reading reviews and blog posts and what have you online, I don't think reading is the issue. I think the medium that people are using to read, i.e. a magazine compared to a computer mm-hmm. or now an iPhone, which you can actually carry into the bathroom with you, <laughs> I, I don't think reading is the issue. I think the issue is the delivery mechanism. Well, it's certainly got a big part to do with it in terms of the price of real estate. You know, when you write a review for a magazine, uh, at this point, magazines well, let's talk about the Mac world, right? That's what we're talking about here. We have two primary publications that cover the Mac in the U.S. We have Mac World and Mac Life. That, that's sort of it at this point. Uh, I don't know if Mac Directory is still hovering around. And, and some no, not really. Mac Directory is pretty much long gone. Yeah, it's gone at this point, yeah. So um, strangely enough, when you say that, at an Adobe event in, uh, in, in this last summer at, at San Jose, I actually met a guy who claimed to be a product reviewer for Mac Directory. And I looked at him and I was like, Mac Directory? Are they still around? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're sort of online. You know, when you hear, like, sort of online, that, that not, kind not of... Not a good sign. Not a good sign. So, really, it comes down to Mac World, Mac Life. And with both of those magazines, especially, well, I mean, look at Mac World. They used to have full product reviews. Now, for the most part, what runs in the magazine are these little capsule reviews. Um, and then they refer you to the website for the, the longer version, iteration of the, uh, of the review. So in terms of uh, the delivery medium, you're absolutely right. And basically, there's no real estate. 
Right. So, you know, okay, here's a product. It's a highly technical product. Like, let's say, like, After Effects or Photoshop. Write a review in a thousand words. It's like, well, gee, in a thousand words, I can barely get started, you know, and, and yet that's what you get for the review. So everything is about concatenation. Um, you know, make everything really small, sound bites. And, you know, quite frankly, with the incredible complexity of products like After Effects or Photoshop or Dreamweaver or take your pick of any 3D product, um, there's just not enough time to get into what's really going on in a thousand words or 1200 words. And, um, and so when I say reading, let me, uh, when I say people have a problem with reading, I'll, let me backtrack on that a bit. It's really a problem with reading more than a few paragraphs and really getting into the depth. And, and then, of course, you've got the real core of the problem, I think, which is that most product reviewers are professional editorial people and not necessarily professionals that know how to use the products in, in a real-world environment. So... Um, it's a huge problem. And, you know, when I was listening to you guys talk about it, I thought I should tell them that years ago, I used to do writing work for Adobe many years ago. It hasn't happened in a long time. But I wrote two or three of the Photoshop reviewer's guides. I wrote a couple of the After Effects reviewer's guides many years ago. And it was pretty funny to then see the reviews come out and see the reviewers hit the points like let's say new features in a certain order that I put them in into the reviewer's guide, lo and behold, that was the same order that the yeah. features would be mentioned in in the actual review. It was like a, it was ridiculous. Yep. Right. And so you realize, yeah, they're you know in some cases, my guess is that they're not even cracking open the the the, the disc. You're just or if they are, they're just playing with it for a few minutes and then oh, okay, I, I think I get the the gist of it. Right. Right. And at this point, with something like, well, you know, a great example is Photoshop CS4, right? Um, that program is at the most complex point it's ever been at. I mean, it's incredibly dense. And, um, you know, you have people talk about, like a reviewer will bring up features. Like, these these are the features that are in the product. It's like, look, um, we, we know what the features are. We went to the... Well, you don't want to assume that. And, and I do, I think there is a place for... Uh, talking about the features, as sure. long as that's tempered with, and here's how these features performed in real-world right. tests. How well they work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. How well they work together. And that was kind of my problem with the review at Macworld on After Effects, that he simply listed the new features, but then he didn't really go into any of them, didn't really talk about them, didn't really critique them. And that was where my problem was. It's like, you know what? This isn't a review. This is uh, a warmed-over PR press release without any substance, no meat to it. And that's what made me mad because, you know, forgive me, I know you're with Mac Life, but Mac World is the premier Macintosh magazine. It has been since they launched. Um, Although they were almost, they almost lost that to Mac user for a while there. I was one of the founding members of so I was I was yeah, part Mac of that. user at at the height of Mac user. I personally think it was much better than Mac World. It was mm-hmm. it was fantastic. I would have to agree. <laughs> and uh, and Mac Week was even better. But anyways, uh, different type of publication right. still. Um, so for for such a major application to get that kind of a review, I'm sure Adobe was very pleased with well, it. But but here's the thing, Tim. So and not to come to Mac World's defense, um, but the article that you're referring to is labeled a first look. All right. No, it's not. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, wasn't no, it was absolutely I that reviewed. during the podcast, and it, and it, yep, specifically it was labeled a review. Well, I'm looking but right after, now. After Effect, they might have renamed it now, what? but when I when I was there, it said review. Okay, well, I'm, Adobe After Effects CS4. All right, well, then I'm a little confused because I'm on Macworld's site right now looking at First Look After Effects CS4 by Jeff Foster. Let me go yeah, up there. They changed, they, they changed they, it. Yeah, they changed it. Well, I'm looking it, at it I've right actually now. Got, I mean, um, I've got a link to it. Yeah. Um, when we did the last podcast, Macworld Review, Adobe After Effects, CS4, and I'm clicking that right. link, and it says Review, After Effects, CS4. Go to MyMac.com, uh-huh. okay. scroll down to show 208, and uh, links to the show, or links from the show, the second one is Macworld Review, After Effects, CS4. Okay, well then I'm looking at the wrong thing then. Um Hold on. I'm just looking I think forward. they changed it. 
Well, there might be another one, I th- too. I think there's right. probably another one, or would even be funnier. Here, let's see if it's the same date. Yeah, if you've oh, got right now. both of them up, because this one's by no. Jeff Foster. Yeah, this one is November 5th. I'm looking at one, another one that's dated uh, September 26th. All right. So okay. Two different things. Which would make sense because the product hadn't been released then, and the first look is a first look, and the first look is not a, a review. Oh. Right. All right. Right. Yeah, now, right before but, we started, I actually went and, and just went over to their site and did a search for After Effects. And that, it's interesting, if you type in After Effects into their search field, the first look definitely is way higher up on the list than the review, and that's the first thing I saw. That's because it's got more page views because it's been online longer. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. All right. Well, so here's the thing. Yeah, so here, review. Uh-huh. Well, still, still the same issue that we're talking about, of course, which is yep, that... Uh, absolutely. And this is not just like... And you said this earlier. This is not to pick on or defend Macworld. Right. But I think this is an issue that, as a, as a publisher myself and a writer, everybody that's on this podcast right now at one time or another has done product review. Yes. And so I think this is, a, this is something that... Our listeners and the people that read these websites, this is a topic that really needs to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, here, here's the thing. What I'll say is this. Um, first of all, when I want to find product reviews uh, on Mac products, I, I honestly, I don't look at either Mac World or Mac Life at this point. You Google. Um, well, actually, what I first typically do, I have to tell you, is I go to Ars Technica and see if somebody there has written it up. Yeah. Um, you know, when props, props to Ars Technica because they are... I think the the best site for product reviews right now, at least for major products. Yeah, I, I would say that that's that's true. Um, and and here's the thing. Well, here's my personal philosophy about product reviews. Um, you can find out all of the good stuff about a product by going to the vendor's website. You know, you can get your feature lists at a vendor website, uh, usually in in as clear and useful a form as any first look in any magazine is going to give you. They're just adding pros, I think. They're not really adding much detail, per se. Right. Um, what, what I think is valuable in a review is not a listing of what is even good about the product. Tell me about where the product falls down. I mean, not to dwell on negative issues, but if you're going to go spend you know, $1,000, $1,200 on a product, um, you want to know what you should be watching out for, what should, you should be uh, worried about. Not... Not, you know, oh, gee, this is the, you know, like with the Adobe stuff, uh, the products work even close, uh, more closely together. The integration is even better. It's like, yeah. well, what yeah, does that even okay. mean? Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean anything. And no, no I, I completely agree with you. And, and um, you know, that is, that is what I'm looking for out of review. I'm looking for the comments of somebody who's actually used the software and can tell me what it what it's like in anger. And if they are, I, I don't have a problem with talk, somebody talking about new features because obviously, you know that that as a as a buyer, that's often what, you know if you've used the product before. Sure. Um, that's obviously what that's often what you're interested in. But but something else that that you know is a flaw with these these kind of you know um, feature based uh, you know press regurgitations is it I mean at no point in this does it actually tell you what this thing does if you've never used it before and isn't that as much of a, a perspective to to a user as as somebody who just wants to know what's new from the previous version it, well it's it's an issue of quantify versus qualify you know um, and this is something well look and now it depends on the scope of the review as well and who is reviewing the product? And that's really, yep. you know, when it comes right down to it, you look at the reviewer's byline and you say, okay, what's their professional experience? What's their background? Um, I get personally very wary when I see uh, bylines of people who I know are professional writers. You know, that they're, well, they're not the ones who are likely to use Photoshop CS4, have multiple layers in a layer pane, hit the backspace key and realize, oh, my God, wait a minute. Photoshop CS4 is the first version of Photoshop where you can delete a layer by hitting the backspace key. Oh, my yeah. God. Now, you know, minor point, huge point for people who are hardcore Photoshop users. And the yeah. kind of thing that, you know, put that in a product review of Photoshop CS4, and I now will, will pay more attention because it tells me that they're paying attention. Well, now, Dave, yeah. part of the problem, I mean, isn't part of the problem that there's so much pressure on on the magazines, and you can speak to this personally, to get these reviews out as quickly as they can, because you know, especially with new products and important products like CS4. I mean, isn't it isn't the pressure on you guys to to get something there, even if it isn't in depth? 
Well, here's the thing about that, and, and actually the CS4 story is a great case study because most of the people who are writing about the CS4 product line, they had access to it last spring. Okay. Yeah, but been, you can't really do a product review without a feature complete or still in beta product. I have a problem with that. Yeah, too. no, no, no. But that's a separate issue from familiarizing yourself with the new features. And then when the product actually ships, now you have your list of, okay, did they fix this? Did they fix that? Did they finish this? Did they finish that? So we're talking about many months of lead time actually using the product to any capacity. And, and that capacity also meaning hitting the brick walls of, okay, what's done, what's not done? And being able to then specifically address those issues as the golden master becomes available or as a shipping product becomes available. So, I mean, I'm totally with the idea of not reviewing beta product, but using and familiarizing yourself with beta product. There's, there's no issue with that, especially if you're not a longstanding user and expert in the product you're reviewing. Um, you know, so everything in, in context, guys. Yeah. yeah. Very but true. The, I agree. I, I think the problem, one of the problems, is that when these when reviews are written nowadays, often what what people don't do is is actually state where they're coming from with the review. They don't say whether they're a professional, whether they've used the product before, whether they know it inside out, uh, and and how how much they've actually used the product. I mean, I, I've I've got a pair of um, of iPhone headphones here that I've been reviewing, uh, and I actually used them in earnest for probably about oh, probably about six weeks, and then I found they developed a fault. Now, if I'd have just had a quick look at them and, um, you know, after a couple of days put them back in the box and written the review, then um, I wouldn't be able to incorporate that information into the, re- into the review. The fact that I used them really hard and then found they broke right. is something, you know, and, and I'm not going to trash the project f- product for that because that might just be a one-off. But at least I can say to my, to my readers, well, this was my experience. And Absolutely. I can actually say, we you know, I, I use these in earnest every day for six weeks, and this is what's happened. And, that, and that I can speak to that a little bit. The difference, though, David, is that in a print magazine, you're going to have a very hard and fast deadline. We need this review by next Thursday, or it's not going to make the next issue. Right. Whereas you write for MyMac.com. You tell me uh, I, I need a little bit more time, and I say, yeah, whenever you're done. Yeah, okay. As long as it's reasonable. You know, if you get something in January, I expect the review before, you know, June. <laughs> yeah. The thing but, is, the thing is, if, if the guy's worked to a deadline and has only had a week yes. to look at it and it's a really complex product, he could kind yes. of allude to that in the review. But they never do. You, no, never, no, see, no, no, you no. never see anybody ever admit to that. Well, of course not. You know, that they wouldn't do that. So what this tells you is that it's probably not unrealistic to state that the future of product reviews does not lie in the print world. It, 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 it's squarely positioned on the Internet. That's the deal. That Because the timeliness of, uh, of the Internet is just huge in this regard. You know, any print publication has at least a two-month uh, lead time. So, you know... But the flip side of that is, and, and the magazine business has the same problem, is who gets the first review... Uh, a WCS4 just came out, really. Uh, we got three copies at My Mac Magazine, and we won't have anything written about it for probably at least a month because we need time to uh, familiarize ourselves and use it and put it through real-world tests. Uh, for instance, I'm doing the Adobe Illustrator review. I've already found a couple flaws with Adobe Illustrator that I'm really not happy about. I haven't found out why it's doing what it's doing yet. Um, and so it's something that I'm going to have to investigate. I can't have a review of this up in a week. There's no way. But there's going to be some sites out there that will have the review up fairly quickly, even if it's inaccurate, because they want the links. They want the click-throughs. They want to get high on the Google page when someone does a review or does a search for a review Adobe Illustrator CS4. Their review is not going to be as comprehensive as mine because they haven't used it as much. Uh, so, so we have that as well, working against us and working for us. Well, it, it, it's it's you know, and it goes back to what you were saying. When do you kind of tell your listener or your your the person reading it how long you were with this review? How long were you using the product for? You know, there, there's an old saying in doing business: uh, fast, cheap, good. You get to pick two yeah. out of three. That's it. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you, you can't get around physics, all right? So ultimately, you want to be the first out with the review. 
you haven't been looking at it for the months it's been available to some extent, um, and now you've got the product, the final release product, and now you want to get a review out as quickly as possible, well, you can get the review out, and you can get it up on the web, and it can't be in-depth. And at that point, what are you going to have? Well, you know, on the Internet, people remember things. And if you get a reputation as the website where the most in-depth, the most qualified, and the most coherent reviews appear, and they take a little longer to appear, um, people will ultimately... They will come back. Exactly correct. You know, because on the Internet... It's a fight for eyeballs. And, you know, so a product comes well, you out. Could, you could say as well that that's the same way in the magazine business. Um, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. But, again, we're back to then the issue of on the web, real estate, word counts are not as ch- suffocating as they are in the print world. You know, uh, you can run a two, 3,000-word review on the web, and you can have... Well, now especially with uh, with screen flow, you know, for a long time people were using Snaps Pro, but there's this screen capture utility called Screen Flow, which yeah, we were is just talking just, about that. Uh, yeah, the excellent stuff, and uh, you know, for my money, that should now become more of a useful tool and a used tool for doing product demos and reviews, and you know, we want to see that component. I'll give you an example. On MacLife.com, just in the last week, they put up a couple of videos I did with ScreenFlow showing the content-aware scaling in Photoshop CS4 and showing layer masks, um, the, new, the new non-destructive masking implementation. Now, both of those things are things that have been covered in reviews by other people, but I realized, okay, with um, as far as the content-aware scaling goes, nobody is showing any depth of how to use that feature. And so in my, in my screencast that I did for, for MacLife, I show how the, how the content-aware scaling works, but then how to specifically make a brand-new alpha channel to add to the mask that is being automatically generated by content-aware scaling to protect certain elements in the image from being affected by the algorithm. So not only do I show this new feature, but I show an advanced technique around using it that really completes the picture and explains other options of content-aware scaling that no other review that I've seen has done. Um, and so yeah. that's another thing that you know you can use. I've always been very, very into the idea of using a medium for what is unique about it. And with the internet, this this whole issue of video, which you know, look, you've seen, you guys have seen the YouTube explosion. Um, people are now using things like YouTube as not sort of ancillary viewing mediums, but primary viewing mediums. I don't yeah. have cable. I don't get to see. Um, I don't have like like the, the the Comedy Central channel, and I love the Daily Show. And I don't care because I watch it every day. Um, I watch the show from the night before on Hulu.com. So video over web, the web, the the convenience and the immediacy of it for a lot of people is the trump card in terms of the quality issue. You know, well, yeah. the quality is not as good as, as like broadcast TV. I don't care. I get it when I want. It's on demand, and oh, by the way, it's free. What's <laughs> so when you combine so those things? So where does all this? Where does this leave the publishing industry? Because let's be honest, the the money is not there on the websites for the writers. The the best reviewers can't really make their money on the web yet. The money's just not there. We're, we're in the but transition. I, I, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I, 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 th- I mean, there's an interesting, um, interesting example of this here in the UK. The biggest magazine, uh, Apple magazine here in the UK is Mac Format. Um, they're much bigger than Mac. Great Apple. magazine, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a great magazine. They've just, they've just gone through their 200th issue. Um, and uh, in the 200th issue, they talked about how big they were in the market. And they are way above everybody else in the market, both Mac World and Mac user. And what I think one of the reasons that they are is because their focus is not on being the first to review and reviewing everything that comes out every month. They have a review section, and it's okay. They tend to do a couple of big reviews, you know, a, a two-, three-page review, and then some smaller capsule reviews and that sort of thing. But they concentrate on tutorials and how-tos yeah. and, and you know, if you're, a Mac, if, you're, if you're new to the Mac, uh, what can you do for this? What can you do for that? How can In other words, they're concentrating on timeless articles, stuff that's going to be significant six months from now as it is right now. Exactly. As as compared to just a review that that you read it and then you throw the magazine away. Yeah. 
and you buy the magazine and you read it and then you stick it on your shelf and you frequently go back to them because you come to do something new you've never done before and you go, oh, when you did that format, talk about this and you can go and find and it's full of big, you know, uh, clear pictures and, and step-by-step instructions and I think that's what they've done. They've differentiated themselves and it's working for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's all about, as you, as you say, David, it's all about tailing yourself to your medium and to your audience. That's exactly right. So, so uh, last question for you, David, as far as reviews go, where do you think user-submitted reviews fit into the whole picture? Well, you know... Obviously, you don't have that for Adobe Photoshop, because although they do up on, uh, like, Amazon, mm-hmm. but uh, where do the user... How much stock should uh, people put into user-submitted reviews? Qualify the provenance of your sources. Um you know, when you but how do you do that on Amazon? Well, I mean. well, basically, you use your brain. I think that you know, you go online and you look at online forums. You can pretty quickly figure out whose brain is working and whose brain is you know being repaired. You, you can see it. I mean, you just have to you have to use some personal judgment about this stuff, and you know that applies to all aspects of life. You know, you can see stuff on the internet that's just ridiculous. And, and and that's always been true. And I play in a few other sandboxes where that's especially true, where, you know, you see claims, you see people saying stuff, making making statements about things. Um, look at the context. Look at the wording. I mean, one of, I, well, I'll give you a perfect example where this is terrifying. You know, I, I brought up YouTube before, but, man, if you go and you read people's comments on any video on YouTube, you start to get a pretty grim picture of the human race. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, oh, jeez. Um so it, it is. It is frustrating. But what you do is, like anything else, you look for the quality of the community. And and look, I'll state this: I I haven't found that place for the Mac world. I mean, you know, I don't know what community online is really one where I can look at these people and go, you know, these are really competent people. Well, look, look at media professionals, right? If you're someone who knows how to use things like Photoshop and After Effects really well. You're too busy using those abilities to make a living versus going online and talking about them, you know. And, yeah. and so that's where the role of reviewer, I think, is really critical. I mean, you can have the most capable After Effects user who knows the program inside out and doesn't know how to write two sentences that are coherent, right? I mean, that's just the reality of the world. Um, so what do you do? Well, you have to find sources that make sense to you and track them. Uh, it's funny. I I've been writing reviews for literally, it's like 20 some odd years now. Um, uh, It's just like, it scares me sometimes. But what I find is that I've had people who have been following my writing since the earliest Mac user days, and they look for my byline. They search me out. And, you know, look, I'm writing in Mac Life, not a place exactly known for its most, you know, technical, in depth reviews, but I'm actually trying to bring that voice to the magazine. And, Look, as someone who's not only a professional user of products, but a you know a longtime writer and an enthusiast, I go find stuff that I then bring to them, and I say, "Hey, look at this product." A perfect example of this, right? I mean, again, you want to look for reviewers that are passionate about what they do. Um, I, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, I call up uh, uh, my editors at Mac Life, and I say, "So there's this 3D product nobody knows about. You got to let me review it. It's called Grobato." They're like, "What?" It's called Grobato. Let me write this thing up. And my, my reviews editor then, who is now a senior reviews editor at Macworld Magazine and a guy who I deeply respect, um, he, he knew that I was just like tapped into the, to the product flow. I mean, I, I just knew about stuff because it's my passion. I love this stuff. Um, and so I call up and I say this Grobato thing. He's like, what the hell is this? No one's ever heard of this. Well, it turns out that the two guys that wrote this had gone to Macworld trying to say, hey, this is this crazy 3D product and Grobato.com, G-R-O-B-O-T-O.com. Go check this thing out. It's terrifying. It's beautiful, cheap, hmm. really inexpensive product that is just completely unique. They went to Macworld. Macworld said, uh, yeah, whatever, and never even did a news piece on them. So I wrote them up for MacLife because I looked at this thing and I'm like, my God. And, and the thing is, this product had a long history that I happen to know about. And, you know, so you have to find find reviewers that aren't just doing this to get a paycheck, but are doing it because yeah. they really love it. And you know what? Those people exist. You can find those people. I, I know because I'm one of them. 
So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Well, before we uh, wrap up uh, this segment, David, what's going on in your life? What are you looking forward to at Macworld? Uh, what's new? So the thing about Macworld, I stopped going a few years ago because I realized that the coolest products in the Mac universe do not show up at Macworld. Yeah. They don't. You think so? I, I absolutely think so. Hmm. And, and listen, I was a guy who was known for going to Macworld. And, you know, the first two hours of the show, I would have walked the whole show floor and I would have found the two or three crazy things that were totally cool, like stuck in like the developer pavilion. Or, you know, some corner or, or, or some little corner of some bigger vendor's booth. I mean, the very first time the Cinema 4D guys showed up with um, the Maxon guys with Cinema 4D, they were in this tiny little desk tucked away in a corner. And I went and I found them and I took everybody over to go see this thing. Strangely enough, when After Effects first premiered from COSA, the original developers, um, it was at a Macworld show in San Francisco. I took John Knoll, one of the two co-authors of Photoshop. I took him over to check this out. I'm like, John, you got to see this. This is insane. And this, by the way, has an architecture for dealing with media that Photoshop needs to have. This is basically non-destructive editing. I took him over to see this thing. He bought a copy on the spot, and it proceeded to blow his mind and became one of his primary production tools. So the point is, there was a time at trade shows when you could go find those cool little things. The last few Macworld shows I went to, I didn't find a single thing like that. But it's so shiny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Shiny has its place. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I would I would disagree with you. I think that I think it's a little harder now because you're surrounded with so much iPod and mm-hmm. iPhone developers, and uh, but the stuff is still there. You just have to find it. Uh, now, in my situation, because we usually have between anywhere from five to ten staff members. We always usually find two or three really cool vendors or products that we wouldn't have found otherwise. But that's just my opinion. Well, so then I'll make sure to uh, visit my Mac after the Macworld show and see what you guys found and go track stuff down and get reviews from Mac Life. Yeah, hopefully there, there won't be any videos from my hotel room. <laughs> Uh, well, that's probably a good thing with that wife beater uh, ensemble that we learned. There you go. TMI, TMI. TMI, too much information. Thank you. <laughs> Moving along. Well, David Bidney, B- Bienny, if I can say it right. Yeah. Dude, it's the, Polish, it's the Polish word for poor. You can't forget oh, it. Oh, Bienny. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Bienny. Oh, See, Bienny. I got it. I know that. <laughs> Thanks word. very much for stopping by. Where should we send our. Uh, Listeners, to see more about you. To Moose and Squirrel. Oh, man. Just to, you know, go into Google, type the name in, and, uh, you know, there it is. You'll, there it you'll is. see all well, my endeavors. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know how to spell the name, it's going to be right in the name of the show. So there you, you go. go. Excellent. We'll be right back with Sam Levin's Cool Mac Picks. And thanks again, David. Yeah, thanks again to David for coming on the show and talking about product reviews. And we're not going to talk about product reviews now because we've got Sam Levin and his cool Mac picks and his app minute picks and any other kind of dust. Don't pick your nose, Sam. That's all I ask. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sam Levin. Thank you very much. So what's so, cool? What's new? Gosh, well, you know, I, uh, I featured iHome a few months ago or so about one of their, uh, speakers like a small clock radio and i wanted to feature them again because um they came out with another pair of speakers called the um well it's ih70 and they're speakers that actually connect to uh your pc or mac so you could connect them uh through their line out jack or it it's got a built-in dock for your ipod and you can actually use your iphone or or ipod touch as well and it's really, really well done. It comes with a remote control. These are 15-watt computer speakers that sound really good. And um, the beauty is is that they're syncing, they're docking speakers, and you can use them for other things. They've got a headset jack built in, so you can use your headphone uh, on them. You can plug them into your... I, I watched a full-length movie on my MacBook Pro last night, and I think they're just great speakers they're 129 bucks and for the money it's great because they do syncing and docking and there's a lot most speakers don't have that capability nowadays hmm 
So interesting. That's from iHome. Be, it's it's mm-hmm. nice as well because it, it's a convergence device. You know, you're not you're not having to ha- to have a separate iPod dock. You're not having to have separate computer speakers. Right. You know, this is this is kind of doing them both for you at the same time. One hundred twenty nine bucks. Right. Why do we say it's one hundred twenty nine dollars when the real price is one twenty nine ninety nine? Shouldn't we just start saying it's one hundred thirty bucks? Yeah, I mean that's fine. That's you like gas prices. It's it's, gas right now is two oh nine point nine 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 nine. It's two ten. I actually saw a gas station that did that the other day. It said three ten or two ten. I thought, holy smokes, went, that's awesome! Went right in. I did. I was like, you know what? You, you're earning my respect. You're getting my gas money. Right. Anyways. Well, anyway, that's from i that's from iHome. Check it out on that was that iHome was for the you streamers watching, by the way, because I'm just sitting here quietly and they're like, ugh, this is boring. <laughs> Sam's like, oh, right. stop interrupting me. Stop interrupting you know, me, Tim. <laughs> what's new? What's new? iOmega. So, that's new. iOmega. Okay. That's our next uh, cool Mac pick. iOmega's Ego desktop hard drive. Uh, I've been using their one terabyte. It's a USB 2.0 drive. It's only USB 2.0. And I've got it actually plugged in right now. It's, it's great. It's uh, really, really quiet. Uh, you can't hear anything, and um, I'm using it as my time machine backup for the MacBook Pro. And uh, I don't think it's a lot of money for what they deliver. It's 170 bucks. Okay, 170.95, so 171. And um, is, I think is it's it, done has a very it got nice flashy job. design, Sam. Is it got what? Is it got a flashy design? Flashy design. Flash? Or is it just well, a beige it's, box? It's, it's no, it's it's it looks like their smaller version of their ego, and an ego two fifty and three twenty. I think they make a five hundred even now, but it's a it's a little bit bigger than that. It's it's really nice. It's uh, it's clean. It's a, I mean, for a terabyte drive, it's small. It's you know, it's like chrome on the ends, and then I've got the blue, a kind of a cool uh, navy blue um, facade, and uh, it's, I don't know if it's made of aluminum. Uh, it's metal, and uh, so it's really so, well built, and um, I think it's pretty cool. I really like what they've done, and um, it's right now backing up uh, my drive as a time machine drive. So that's from iOmega, and it's called the Ego Desktop Hard Drive. Hmm. Yep, pretty cool, and everyone needs one of these, especially a terabyte you know, kind I, of data. I, I keep looking at all these hard drives, and they're all getting full with movie videos and, you know. I know. And I'm thinking, I, 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 these are not backing up to my time machine at all. So what do I do? You know, it's it's kind of tricky. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You can you can daisy chain drives as well. I don't know if you've done that. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but they're still it, none of the drives are backing well, each other up. Yeah, but and, but Sam also remember that a lot of USB drives you you, you can't daisy chain them. You, know, you basically just have the one input into them. Right. Let's see here. Hold on, guys. Okay. Yes, you're, you're right. There's only one port. You're exactly right. You're right. There's only one port on this. But uh, I don't mind that. I'm, I'm not going to go over a terabyte with, with, you know, this drive built into the MacBook Pro right now. But um, that's the disadvantage of a USB. But they'll, they'll figure that out soon enough. Okay, what's our cool app picks from Cool app picks. There's two cool app picks. One is from Smule called Ocarina. Smule? Smule. How do you spell that? S-M-U-L-E. Okay. And uh, they've come out with SonicBox and a number of really cool apps on the iPhone. This one is called Ocarina, and it's a music flute for the iPhone. So what you basically do is put the iPhone up to your, you know, just like you're talking but you put the 30-pin connector next to your mouth, and it's it's almost like you're playing a harmonica, except you know you're just blowing into where you're talking. You know those the ports in the back. I actually saw the and video for this. It's yeah. it's amazing looking. Does it have we, have you tried it yet? Yeah, yeah, I've tried it. I met the the, the guys. These guys are like Stanford music brains. They they work for Stanford. In the music department, one of them is, uh, he's the Stanford, what is it? Oh, God, I forgot. Oh, here it is. He is, uh, 
the assistant professor for the Department of Music at Stanford. So the technology that goes behind this is pretty incredible. You tap on the glass different areas, and you, it will play different notes and sounds. And um, we posted some YouTube clips that they've done, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, he played a Beatles song it's amazing. Uh, yesterday. Yesterday he played it. I should have. He I played it yesterday? Uh, yeah, yesterday I was there at a special. Oh, I thought you meant he played the song yesterday. No. So, hang on, hang on a minute. You tap on the glass, but you also blow into it like yes. it's a real. Yes. Yeah, you blow in, you blow into the microphone. If you go up to you at, into the very cool. but, yeah, but go up to atminute.com and I have a weekend video from last weekend yeah. showing how it works. It's it it'll blow your it's, mind. It's pretty cool. It's it's you know, he, they have four people playing the Ocarina flute and it's the iPhone and you know, they have they have a line in jack plugged into speakers so you can hear it really clear, but I think their technology is going to make them a lot of money. They're, they'll, in my opinion, they'll license the IP to other people, um, but it's really, really unique. It's ninety-nine cents. It's That's pretty inexpensive. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it is. It is Look cool. At the video. So anyway, it's called Ocarina. Check it out. I think it's wicked cool. And our last cool app pick is Guitar Rock Tour. All right, if you're into tap tap, if you're into that kind of play. This is taking it to the next level because they've actually married what TapTap has been doing with real music like Michael Jackson's Beat It song, uh, some top rock group songs. So you can actually play this to music that you know instead of just off-the-cuff music or stuff that is just made up. And it's pretty darn fun. It's uh, from Gameloft. Yeah. And... Um, I, I swear, when when you guys come out for Mac World, we're gonna have a guitar rock tour party. I'm gonna plug this into speakers. I'll plug it into the iHome speakers. It's hilarious, and they've done a really nice job. It's ten bucks. It's nine ninety nine. But I think it's a lot of fun. It just is, you know, my my only gripe is that I want it to load faster because it's got it's got to load a ton of stuff, graphics, sound. You can select easy, medium, hard, and then it will unlock certain songs after you play. And if you don't do it right, it says you suck, go home, and stuff like that. I think it's so pretty this, cool. This is basically Guitar Hero for the iPhone. So everyone should go exactly. out and buy it before uh, Activision sues them and gets it taken off the store. It, it does look probably. pretty cool. I thought it's probably the best tapping music game that I've seen up there so far. Yeah, well, I bought it because of the video on App Minute. Yeah, that's exactly why I did that. And I said, you know, I'm not I have never spent this amount of money on an iPhone game, but it's pretty cool. It works on I've been testing it on the iPhone original and the iPhone 3G. I, I think it works on the iPod Touch. I haven't even tried it. on. No, that, no, but, it, um, it says it says on the iTunes store. It doesn't work with the iPod Touch. OK, well, that answers that. But um, it's um. It's a lot of fun. It's from uh, Gameloft. Gameloft is well known uh, with designing games and mobile games. So uh, that's our cool Mac picks and our cool app picks for this week. Well, thanks very much, Sam, for coming on the show this week, and uh, we'll look for you next week. We're going to take a break after I move my iPhone away from the uh, microphone there. Ooh, that was loud. And uh, find out what's cool next week. Thanks, Sam. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. And we're back with uh, Guy Searle, David Cohen, and me, Tim Robertson. I don't think I introduced myself on the beginning of the show, but then again, I don't know if I have to because... Well, if, they don't, if they don't know who you are by now, you know. Well, it, uh, the, our theme music, though, has my name in it, so anyways. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, next week on the show, at least scheduled, we have uh, Hadley Stern. He is the publisher of Apple Matters. I thought it'd be fun oh, to yeah. get uh, another Mac publisher on the show and find out how he got into Macs and uh, what his favorite Mac is, stuff like that. Ought to be pretty good. The week after that, yeah. the show we record on the 27th of November is going to be basically the Girls Gone Geek show. Uh, so Guy and well, David, no, you guys have... Isn't the 27th Thanksgiving? Ooh, yeah. So we're going to have to move that. That's either going to be the 26th or the 28th. So, not sure what day we're going to have to move that to. I, I 
totally spaced out on that guy. You're right. That is Thanksgiving, so that's going to have to be moved. Yeah, I'll be eating turkey. Yeah, me too. What's what's Thanksgiving? Oh, oh, quiet. Thanksgiving. Quiet, quiet, you. It's when we threw the English out of this country. No, not really. Uh, (laughs) That's when we celebrate. Uh, We don't usually tell people from the UK about this, David, but uh, in America, it's tradition to keep uh, a red jacket somewhere handy, and we burn them in effigy. On uh, cool. it's pretty cool, you know. So you you celebrate having better teeth than us? <laughs> I don't think that's true anymore, actually. Oh, let's not. No, I don't go. think it is either. But, <laughs> uh, but anyways, and we and we celebrate having free healthcare. You, yeah, well, we could use some of that. So uh, whatever day we record that show on, uh, we're gonna have uh, Liana Lihua. Uh, let's see. We're also going to have Marissa and Melissa. Basically, the girls gone geek. They're going to come on the show. We're going to have a good time. Talk to them. Uh, find out what they've been up to. Is, mm-hmm. is Leanna recovered yeah, now? Yes, she has. She yeah. has. Great. Um, and you know, she's she's a uh, really big into podcasting. She did a show with Sam Levin um, a while back, actually right before she she took ill on her iPhone podcast. What was it the I, iPhone show? I i show i don't know uh, the apple i think it was the apple, apple phone apple show, phone show yeah that's what it is um so we're going to find out what's going on and uh i i think it'd be pretty good get a little estrogen up in the house <laughs> we kind of need that sometimes anything's, anything's better than just listening to that's us right all the time. so the week after that uh this company it's two brothers they started their own iphone uh apps company and they actually quit working at Microsoft. They quit working on the Halo Wars game coming up soon, which is a huge game. So these guys quit working for very well-paying jobs in this economy. And they're iPhone developers. Now they have their first app out, and there's more coming. And I thought, this is a really great entrepreneurial type of story. we got to have these guys on the show and talk to them. I, because I, I, I admire people that can do stuff like that. So we're going to have yes. them on uh, the first week in December. However, next week, uh, yes, I said we had Hadley Stern coming on, but we're also going to have a guest co-host. And uh, nobody knows who the guest co-host is but me, and no one's going to find out until we're actually recording the show, including David and Guy. So you guys won't even find out who the co-host is until you guys jump in the chat and find out then. Next week. How very curious. Mm, interesting. Mm, so let's talk about a little bit going up on MyMac's website. Something kind of significant happened this week at the MyMac website. And you wouldn't think of it, uh, think so by looking at it, but there's a review called Stellar Phoenix Macintosh 3.0. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Gil Paulson. That was, that was slick. Okay. Uh, actually, the, the one I'm referring to is the Tough Skin for iPhone G3. Yeah, I know you're thinking, well, it's just a iPhone case. What's so significant about that? What's significant about it is who wrote the review. His name is Alan Walkowicz, and he's the son of our longtime editor, Russ Walkowicz. So we have a second-generation original MyMac staffer writing at MyMac.com now. And I think that's just really, really cool. Now, I do have a second review from him that we'll be posting up uh, probably Monday of next week. And uh guy's a really good reviewer, which doesn't surprise me knowing who his father is. But uh, this is a true second generation, somebody writing at MyMac.com. And we're only, you know, 15 years old publication. So I think that's pretty cool. So he's at least 15. No, he's significantly older. He's been married. And um, <laughs> I, I don't know a whole lot about his personal life, and I'm not going to go into that. But I do know that he doesn't live under his daddy's roof anymore. <laughs> he lives in Florida. Russ lives in uh, oh. the Washington area. So... Uh, we got a lot of reviews going on right now since our last podcast. Audio bike computer speakers with amplifiers from Artie. Looks like he really, really liked these. He, he, yeah. he gave it a very high score. He's, he's digging on the speakers. They look pretty nice, too, i, I got to say. One of these yeah. days, I'm going to have to get yeah, some the- new speakers for my setup. I'm running some very old Altic Lansing that I've had for years. 
I think it's time to upgrade. And those are yeah. also very good speakers, though. They are, and that's the thing. You know, I look at the prices on some of the new speakers, and I'm thinking, do I really need to uh, to spend the money on new speakers? Well, let, let's be honest. I wouldn't spend money. I would just request some speakers from companies, and they'd send it for review. <laughs> yeah, but but the, the thing is, I mean, I mean, it's a good point, Tim, because you know, much as RC like these speakers, they're fairly yeah, expensive. Three hundred. That's a lot of money. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, if you're really into your music, then uh, then I guess I guess maybe it's worthwhile. Yep. Uh, the other new thing up there is the Logitech Quick Cam Vision Pro review from Donny Ancolo. Now, obviously, the new monitors coming out from Apple is going to have the eyesight built in, but there's a lot of Mac Pro users out there that really would like a new camera or any camera for their machine. And hey, this is a I think this is USB. Yes, it is. This is a viable option. Yeah. Uh, webcams is something that every computer should have built in at this point. Unfortunately, it took Apple. And, it, and it's built for OS X. It is as built well. for OS X. Unfortunately, it's. So you don't have to. It's Apple's finally addressing that issue with putting them in the external monitors. Uh, and the last thing I want to talk about is John Nemo's. The best thing about Adobe's new Photoshop.com website is, and that's a Nemo memo. Check that out. And then we jump over to the blog side. And the blog side's been getting a lot of attention by yours truly as of late. The unbox still going strong. Uh, let's see, from the last time I did the unbox, remember I did not have uh, disk 3 of Adobe Photoshop CS4. It yeah. showed up the very next day, which I thought was oh, funny. Yeah, it, in fact, I hadn't even started listening to the last show when the FedEx guy dropped off the box. And I, wow, holy smokes, that was quick. So Adobe was just, you know, they were they were awesome. They just sent it right out. So I do have Photoshop CS4 installed, the entire master collection, and it's really too early to say anything about it other than I have run into some problems. Um, Premiere is a lot harder to use than I thought it was going to be, as is After Effects, so there's going to be a learning curve for me. And I think that's going to kind of reflect in our coverage of some of these applications that we haven't used before. Uh, we could teach the the readers of the website as we learn ourselves. And I think there's something powerful on that. I think that people want to read stuff like that. I think there's definitely a, you know, so we're not going to review some of this stuff that we, we're not experts in, but I, I think there's a, there's a place for reviews, and there's also a place for, hey, I just figured out how to do this in this application. Check this out. I think okay. I might get a lot of benefit from it. So some of the other things that's posted up on the website right now, the unbox for Zoom Zoom, it's a little car mouse. Kind of neat, kind of uh, hokey, but by the same token, I think that would work really well for a computer user in your life that you want to give a gift to. Um, is this now, anything one that you'd be I interested think that in, Gary? Cool uh, well, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a trackball guy. I've, I've liked trackballs for a very, very long time. Uh, but one thing that I think looks kind of cool on it is that the scroll wheel kind of looks like a... Uh, like an air air scoop, yeah. There on the hood. Yep. It's it's a neat little thing. I think it would work really well for uh, a gift. And uh, the last unbox that we have up there right now. I'm sorry. There's two more, isn't there? Uh, more. Unbox oh, number yeah. six yeah. is the Mino. Is that how you say it? The Mino HD. I think it's Mino. It's a new flip camera. Mino. Mino. Yeah, I, don't I think know. it's Mino. M Mino M I N O H D, and it's a high definition camera. Very small. Check out the unboxing pictures of it. And I have the original Flip video as well, and I wanted to do a comparison. So I also have a post called Flip Mino HD Test, and I filmed exactly the same scene, never moved my feet, uh, with both cameras, and you can actually see the difference in one quality over the next. And it is I mean, it is significant. The, uh, the, I, I think, the, Mino, the Mino or Mino HD is, is very impressive. Yeah, and and I think really I think this it. is the way I think this is the way cameras are going, and uh, you know it's a USB camera, it's all uh, solid state memory, um, and uh, you know I think this is why we're we're seeing FireWire start to disappear because people are doing video like this nowadays. Yep, I, w- I would. Agree uh, it, uh, let's see, the other one, the last unbox, at least as far as when we're recording this podcast, is episode seven. Feel the wrath, and of course that's World of Warcraft's uh, new product, uh, the Wrath of the Lich King. Um, don't know anything about it other than that. I don't play World of Warcraft, but I am on the PR list from Blizzard, which is really great. I don't want to be taken off because I want me some StarCraft too. Who's um, doing Diablo three? Uh, Diablo three? I don't know. You want Diablo it? Diablo three? I, it to I, me. I, 
I'm I'm taking dibs on Diablo three because I love that's that fine. Game. As, as love soon as Diablo. I get it, because they, they'll send it to me. They send everything to me from Blizzard as long as it's Macintosh related and everything they do is now. Uh, I'll just put it in the the post and uh, boot it off to you to the UK. Excellent. Uh, the other thing that I've been doing on the site, and uh, this takes almost no time, but it gives more content up on our blog side, and it's called the YouTube Mac Video Pick. And I just find stuff that I think is interesting, um, you know, videos that I find on YouTube, and I post it up on our site. And, you know, it's just a quick little thing you can watch or not watch. It's up to you. But it's Mac-related, so I think most people will get a kick out of it. And the last one I did was Mac Video Pick number 4, PodCamp Michigan, which is me, my speech that I gave at the PodCamp Michigan uh, last weekend right, with, with Rick Stringer. With Rick, right. Yep. Variantfrequencies.com. Uh, there you go. D- did you guys both watch that, oh, unfortunately? Yeah. Ugh, I'm sorry. You suck no, with no, that no, little no. thing. It, it, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, I mean, I did something kind of... wasn't kinda, that bad. There's a ringing endorsement. No, no, wasn't I, mean, that I did bad. something kind of <laughs> similar with the Washington Apple Pie last year. Um and I think that the setup and the way that, that you and Rick laid yours out was certainly much better than the way I did mine. Yeah. It was a pretty uh, spur-of-the-moment type of thing. Yeah. I, I also I, – you remember we had um, Don McAllister on um, a few podcasts back, probably a few months ago. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he did a similar sort of talk to a group of guys here in the U.K., which I attended. And um, – I think people have got to remember that, uh, I mean, you know, quite a few people want to know the mechanism of how you do podcasting and how you get the podcast up on the site and, and how you build your, li- your audience and how you do advertising and all that sort of thing. And, and really, you know, if you're interested in podcasting at all and, and, and really how to do it from scratch, I would recommend that uh, uh, any, any of our uh, listeners who fancy that just take a look at this video it's half an hour um and it really is a you know a really from soup to nuts explanation of 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 how tim got into podcasting and and really how he uh how he's taken the podcast forward and it, it really is a quite a good insight into what goes on behind the scenes and and tim's you know very forthright views on you know what's important and what isn't important in terms of podcasting so uh it's definitely worth a go well, one thing I found very interesting about it was that he, you know, he was starting to get some questions that were, you know, they they were trying to kind of nail him down as far as what equipment to use, and and you know, Tim was basically saying, look, you know, don't worry about what equipment you have or what kind of opening you have, what kind of music, you know, just do your podcast, get used to doing a podcast, right. and you know, and the audience will come from there. That's right. You know, the thing is, if you watched uh, the, the website that I pulled this video from, uh, he has all the different sessions that were up there that day. This thing was called PodCamp, i.e. podcasting. Mm-hmm. We were the first people, and we were like the fifth or the sixth people to go on. We were, the, we were the first ones to actually talk about podcasting. What were the other people talking about? Uh, social media, branding. How to sell real estate on Twitter? What? I mean, it was just like, oh yeah, trust me. Um, it, 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 some of it was just really bad. Uh, we're, Rick Stringer and I sat next to each other, and he kept going, "I thought this was Pod Camp." Now everybody that was there was twittering, and uh, right before we went on, someone had posted on Twitter. I thought this was Pod Camp. I thought someone was going to actually talk about podcasting. <laughs> and I told Rick, I said, well, we're going to be big hits then because we're actually going to talk about podcasting. Imagine that. I guess that's good yeah. feedback for the organizers for next year. Now, for really, really long-time listeners of the podcast, uh, I told a very off-color story years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, con- concerning a bat. Don't, and that's all I'm going to say yeah, about don't it. Don't go any farther. Not not that, I, that I, I'm worried. It's just I don't feel like dealing with a whole bunch of email again. And I mentioned this. If you guys watched it, you saw me mention that story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right after I, Rick and I got done speaking, they took a break, um, obviously, because we went over like 12 minutes than what we were supposed to speak. And Rick wasn't actually scheduled anyways, but I was like, I got to bring Rick Stringer up. No, it and, worked out uh, well. Yeah, well, his podcast is brilliant. Rick's a very smart guy. Yeah, I really respect for him. Anyone, He's a good friend of mine. For all the people that are listening, if you don't have if you don't have the Variant Frequencies podcast in your RSS feed or through iTunes, you're missing out. You're missing out because it really, yeah. really is great. Content. It is one of the premier podcasts out there. 
And I don't say that because Rick's a friend of mine. I I mean that. It's it's simply a fantastic podcast. I mean, I barely know the guy. I've only met him that that one time. And at Macworld Expo. At, well, no, no, I saw him at um, the hundredth podcast as well. Yeah, but then you also saw him at the Macworld Expo. Right. So, so you I, didn't oh, I, I've once. seen him twice. Um, mm-hmm. But even even if I didn't know the guy from Adam, this this is one of the podcasts I'd be listening to. Yep. So, anyways, um, when we came back from our break, uh, long story short, everybody on the break kept saying that they wanted to hear the bat story. <laughs> so, so I got up on the stage again, and uh, I don't know if the guy that I, I pulled this video from didn't record it. Thank God. But I think that the organizers did, so it might show up on YouTube. And if it does, I'll send you a link. And if it and if it does, I'm not going to probably broadcast it too much. Yeah, if it shows up on YouTube, oh, that'll <laughs> oh, be... Oh, crap. Yeah. Um, then again, compared to some of the other stuff on YouTube, I'm not too worried. But I really, you know, I told the story the same way I did on the podcast, except I'm standing in front of an audience, so I kind of went for the stand-up comedian, very animated, very loud, um, just trying to get people to laugh. And I had, I, dude, I had them cracking up. It was funny. Yeah. So... It was the closest I've ever come to being a stand-up comedian. I actually liked it a lot. It was it's kind of a it's kind of a rush to get up in front of people, and it wasn't a huge crowd. Don't get me wrong, but it was enough people, and I didn't know anybody really other than Rick that uh, you know to get up there and and to put yourself out there with the the pure intention of making them laugh is not something easy, and I really enjoyed it. I would love it if I was a stand-up comedian. I really would. If I had the material, I actually think I could probably pull it off. Because I don't mind making fun of myself, and that's the key. Right. you got to be able to make fun of yourself. If you can't make fun of yourself... Then you're missing out. You're just not going to work. Exactly. And there's a lot to make fun of here. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we are... Uh, something that we haven't really said, just maybe briefly mentioned. We are actually doing um, Ustream.tv as we're recording the podcast. We're doing that right now. There's a couple people in the in the channel, in the chat... Uh, in fact, I think the only two people left that's not us is, uh, I think Jimmy's gone. No, Jimmy's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Um, I think we're going to probably try to do this more often. I I think it's kind of neat. I think the idea of, of having more interaction with the people that are listening, even if it's only a couple people every week that's actually in the Ustream, because that's kind of a commitment to jump in there for two hours and, and listen to us chat. Um, but I think that could maybe add a dimension to the show that we've never had before. Well, that's right. I mean, because, you know, people can comment actually as we're talking, which allows them to, uh, you know, um, you know, type up a comment and participate. And, uh, God- and and I think the more we do it and the listeners of the podcast will get used to, hey, if, if I show up between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. Oh, or longer. On Thursdays, Eastern Standard Time. No, not usually longer. Cause <laughs> I guarantee you in a few minutes that the wife and the kids are going to, come stomping through the the door and if i'm not done with recording the podcast the microphone will pick that up hi dad we're home we got pizza mom mom said i was naughty (laughs) but i really Um, wasn't but i wasn't i swear (laughs) i don't know how the doll jumped out of the car window she's lying all by itself Mm. so i I think this this interaction is is kind of uh, uh jimmy in the chat room says geeks love it and, you know, I do, too. I like being in chat rooms occasionally when people are doing a, a live show or even recording it and feeling that interaction with the people doing the show. That's something that I can really get into. Now, what's weird for me is that I'm on video right now as I'm recording this. Usually no one can see me, uh, so I'm sitting here naked most of the time. No, <laughs> not really. Um, yeah, that is but, frightening. But the problem is if it's just me, like it is right now, it's kind of boring for the people in Ustream because... It's just me talking. They don't hear your side of the conversation. So that's never going to work. We need to figure out how we're going to pump what I hear, your guys' conversation, into the Ustream feed as well as my open microphone. Yeah. Um, right. Without I don't without know how latency. we're going to do that yet. Exactly. Without latency. So it, it's going to be tricky. And... uh well, I think we're going to have latency regardless, though, Guy. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Well, latency as far as, as what you you and I and David are hearing. No, that's uh, that's always going to be there because it's got to encode it on the fly and then pump it back out. So right. there's always going to be latency. So uh, I'm sure that somebody out here, yes, I know it's easier if we run a, a mixer. The problem is the mixer I have isn't compatible with Mac OS 10.5. That's where <laughs> our issue is. Uh, and, and I don't have the money to go buy a new one. 
and and leases, and it's not compatible. It crashes every time. Yep. Um, If we can uh, find a mixer, preferably, I think, uh, a FireWire one, that'll do away with some of the latency problems. And we could mix it all together and pump it directly into Ustream, and I could still record the podcast the way I normally do. But the listeners will hear the entire conversation, including the stuff that you don't hear on the podcast. As uh, our guest in the chat room, Jimmy, who, Jimmy, by the way, was Jimmy from last week. Uh, ah, and I'm using an Elisa's Firewire mixer on 10.5, right? But I have a USB one, Jimmy. Um, Jimmy was the guy we pulled into the chat last week. If you guys remember the last show, we brought Jimmy in. So he's actually in the chat right now. Where was I going with this, guys? So uh, we, how, we've got... We, we, yeah, we've got some technical issues to solve, yeah. and we can and, figure and those out Anybody this listening, listening to this... If you have a solution, let us know. Um, maybe somebody out there has a, a an older but works with 10.5 mixer that accepts phantom power microphones that I use that we can still pump back into the system and you stream lo- users, listeners. I almost said losers. <laughs> yeah, listeners. Well, that, that's us. That's us. Too. Yeah, that's yeah, because we're all in there. Um, yeah, I think it would be cool. I think it would give us a, a sense of interaction that we've never had before. Be fun. It'll be cool. Very cool. It's now. It's today. One last thing. Uh, yes, we're going to be at the Macworld Expo. Guy, we need to talk about that a little bit here off the air. Okay. One of the things that we're going to do is called the Apple Quiz. We're going to be at different vendor booths. We're going to have a laptop computer with us, probably a MacBook Pro. And the quiz will consist of uh, asking people at the booth, you guys walk in the showroom floor, what the product is that you're seeing on the screen, but it's going to be like an extreme close-up. So let's say it's an iPhone. It might be an extreme close-up of the left-hand side of the iPhone, and you have to guess. And if you guess three correctly, you win whatever the prize is that the, the booth vendor is giving away. If you miss three, you don't win at all, so you're out. We're going to be doing that at the Macworld Expo, and I can report right now we will be at the spec booth. So Ooh. spec makes some really great cases in fact that's the cases that i use for both my iphone and my ipod um they make great cases yeah i use mine uh i have one of their products for my macbook pro oh i gotta say that i have one for my macbook pro too that's why my macbook pro is red i've got the spec see-through case on it so uh spec is uh sponsoring us so we're going to be at their booth for like an hour and a half and we're going to do the apple quiz we're going to give you guys much more detail as the show draws closer and how we're going to do it, where we're going to do it. We've got two other companies that um, uh, we, we believe that we're going to do it there, but we just don't have, you know, a final confirmation. I don't have a check in hand yet. Let me put it that way. So once we get more details, we want to start uh, promoting the companies that we're going to be working with during the Macworld Expo because obviously they're paying the bills and we want to promote them. But I'm being very selective on the companies that we're actually dealing with at the Macworld Expo. I'm not going to go to a booth of a company that whose product that I don't enjoy, that I don't like, that I don't believe in. We're not going to do that. So that's that. Anything else before we wrap this show up, guys? I don't have anything, man. Don't have anything? Nothing. Me neither. Nothing for me. I got nothing. The long show. <laughs> so, no, actually, it's not. We're, we're less than a, an hour and ten minutes so far. So let's wrap this up before we hit an hour and ten minutes, and uh, I think we're out of here, guys. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast at our RSS feed at MyMac.com or by visiting the iTunes Music Store's podcast section. Please send all feedback to MyMacPodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the MyMac.com podcast.